Welcome to the Motivational Speech Podcast. You are listening to Mr. Jim Quick. He is a brain coach, mind well trainer, and is noted for his speed reading and memory techniques. For two decades, Jim Quick has worked as a brain coach to students, seniors, entrepreneurs, teachers, and advisors to many of the world's leading CEOs and celebrities. He also wrote a book that has become the number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. Check the description below to get this book for free. What are the best foods for your brain? Welcome to the Quick Brain Kitchen. We are here with Dr. Lisa Moscone, author of Brain Food. I'm, I enjoyed reading this so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And this is something we've never done before. We are actually live here in the kitchen. We just went shopping for all these amazing <laughs> brain foods, which we're about to learn all about, because people ask all the time, what are the best foods for concentration, for mm -hmm. focus, for a better memory. And what I love about your work is that you have the background not only as a nutritionist, but your PhD is in neuroscience. Yes, that's right? actually my background. Your background. Yes. <laughs> You've done yes. so much research. You're you're the uh, you're associate director of the Alzheimer's Prevention. Over is it Cornell? Yes, it's the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Walt Cornell Medical College. Amazing. I'm a paid scientist, and I'm also the director of the Women's Brain Initiative. That's so. The brain at Walt Cornell. And adjunct professor. Associate. Associate yes. professor associate at. Professor of neuroscience and neurology. Wow. I was looking through your CV and it's 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 really <laughs> impressive, <laughs> and so we find what our. Uh, community of quick brains loves is is taking they love geeking out over science so they're they're, they're going to love this conversation that we're having yeah. and we're going to talk about neurotransmitters and neuroscience yes. and also but specifically though how does that affect their day-to-day -day life because what you eat matters especially yes. for your gray matter and so um, one of the mm -hmm. quick brain tips I wanted to to talk about real quick before we even started this is not even really scripted is is this yeah. We we said like how do you how do you have who doesn't want to have quicker reaction time and quicker yeah. thinking? And what's one thing people could do as they are listening to this as we have all our brain foods here and our green juices? Well, so uh, the best brain tip I have is to actually drink water. Right. Because the the brain is 80% water. So a light, we we usually talk about the brain in terms of its dry mass, fat, protein, uh, vitamins and minerals and carbs, but in reality a live brain is a brain that is 80% water. And even just a 2% uh, water loss to the yeah. brain, so very, very mild dehydration is enough to produce neurological symptoms. Just a 2% yes, difference. just 2%. That's so mm -hmm. subtle. Some people are more sensitive, some people are less, but usually it's 2 to 4% water loss to the brain is enough to really produce uh, fatigue, confusion, dizziness, um, memory lapses, cognitive slippage, difficulty concentration, uh, concentrating a much uh, smaller attention span, much reduced attention span. So one of the best tips I have is just really keep hydrated. Okay. And when I asked for water, you correctly gave me cold water. Right. right? And I said, well, warm water warm is water. the best way to rehydrate very quickly. Now why is that? So um, warm water is vasodilating. Mm -hmm. Right, so it really um, promotes absorption of fluids and substances into the bloodstream. So the and cold it usually is, makes your veins pop. So That's cold is more want. constricting. Yes, so cold water, anything cold is vasoconstrictor. 
And so it actually has the opposite effect. It kind of scares your stomach away. Right. And so no, that's, that's it. Um, so that's what we do every time we do brain scans. So my background is in neuroscience right. and nuclear medicine. I have a dual PhD. Right. And nuclear medicine is code for brain imaging. It so is. So a lot of brain scans. So when you get the, the dyes and you see the blue and the... And the, the red yeah. and right. the green and the brain like lightening up in all different colors. We, we do structure. Mm -hmm. brain scans like MRIs, but then we do positron emission tomography scans, which is nuclear medicine. Okay. So we can look at all different things in the brain, like brain activity, brain energy, whether or not somebody has Alzheimer's disease, whether right. or not you have the neurotransmitters that are needed to maintain a happy mood. When you don't have them, like serotonin, you get depression. Acetylcholine is needed to make memories. We can look at everything. Mm -hmm. The procedure in involves uh, injecting a tracer that goes up inside the brain. Right. And so we need our patients to, to have really nice veins that are easy to get. You, know, right. you don't want to stick them too, too many times. And you want to, to get the line in very quickly. And so I always give them like a big glass of warm, of warm water, water. Like 20 minutes prior to, to the procedure so that their veins are really dilated. Right. And they, their body is really well hydrated and the, the brain too. And you, this and, is usually what I do in the morning. And if people are just listening to this right now and they're not watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, this is actually, we're actually drinking out of our brain mugs. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so cheers. <laughs> cheers to you. <laughs> um, and what I want to talk about actually are these brain scans mm. because what's interesting to me is this is, this is based all on science. Yeah. Because you've done all the studies in the area of, of Alzheimer's research, and you're actually looking at the organ that you're treating, yes. you know, which is, which is remarkable. And so what are we looking at here? And we could show everybody on the screen and uh, put links also in the show notes for people who are listening <laughs> to this on audio. So these are brain scans. These are two MRI scans of participants in my studies. When we started, actually, ma many years ago, and this brain scan here is the, the scan, is an MRI scan mm -hmm. of a 52-year-old woman, okay. cognitively intact, and she had been on a Mediterranean diet most of her life. She's actually Greek okay. originally, and you know, she eats pretty much the way we, we discussed so far. And this is the way, this is really what you want your That's brain a beautiful to brain. look like when you're 52 years old. And the, the things to keep in mind, this is an MRI scan, the sequence is called the T1, so the brain looks white and gray, and fluids look black on okay. this particular sequence. And you want these little structures inside the brain. They're called the ventricles. You want them to be really nice and tight, because a little bit of fluid is good for you, but you don't want to have more fluid than brain, right? You right. just want to have just enough to keep your, well, your brain protected and hydrated. And I, I love it. this because for people who are looking at, at this photo right now, mm. most people never really looked at what their brain looks like, right? right? Yes. It's something everybody sees what's on the outside, but this is like a black box, three yes. pound gray matter inside. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the other thing you want is that you want your brain to fill up as much as possible of your cranial cavity, the mm -hmm. skull. So you want the brain And that's the outer brain. layer? Yeah, so this is the bone that surrounds the brain, and you want the brain to be as close as possible everywhere. It's a little bit more difficult here on top. Mm -hmm. It's normal to have more fluids here on the top, but you want the rest of your brain to be really, really close to the bone. Okay. And these, these two little structures in and the middle. I recognize those. This is the other thing. So this is the hippocampus. Right. This is the memory center of the brain for memory consolidation and formation, and also a sense of direction. Right. So it's in the hippocampus. And it looks gray because it's gray matter, mm -hmm. gray. 
and you want it to be really close to the white matter around it because it, it needs to be really like chubby okay as big as possible and bigger is better and when case. we were talking earlier before we started shooting we we're talking about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity yeah. that um what, what's when you were talking about brain cells specifically the reason why it's so important to preserve them is because it's different from other places. You, your hair cells, they, 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 re, they regrow, mm -hmm. or your liver yes. cells, you know, over a matter of X amount of time. But for your brain cells, once they're dead, yes. they're, they're dead. Pretty much dead. But yes. when, when there is neurogenesis, it's happening mostly in the, in the hippocampus? Yeah, there are two parts of the brain uh, that were shown to, to show neurogenesis in, in grown-ups, in mm -hmm. adults, and also later on in life. And these are um, the dentate gyrus of the hippocampus and okay. also the olfactory bulb. Mm -hmm. So that part of the brain that is responsible for smell. So these are basically the, the most primitive functions right. in the brain, right? The Memory sense of and smell, smell. to mm -hmm. just make sure you don't, you don't eat bad foods, you don't poison yourself. Right. And then the ability to remember the information. And I think everybody talking about from. food, when we're talking about memory, it's like you, you smell a food, it could take you back to when you were a child, yes. you know, with all that, emo sure. with all that emotion. <laughs> now what's this other scan yeah. So this other scan in comparison is, is the brain of a slightly younger woman. She was 50 mm -hmm. years old back then, and she had been on a Western diet most of her life. Okay. She tells me she loves burgers and fries so and like a more like a standard American diet? Yes. Okay. I think Western is a nicer okay. way to put it, right? <laughs> Let's not blame America. But yes, that kind of diet. Um, and her brain shows that. Yeah, right, you, you I think see. you can see immediately that the ventricles are much larger everywhere, mm -hmm. also going like deep inside the brain. Um, there's a lot more black around the entire brain and also inside the gyri. Right. This is the temporal lobe and is involved in memory formation as well, especially the hippocampus here is also surrounded by black, which means it's been losing neurons. It's shrinking, which is something we call atrophy. Okay. Right? And this whole pattern, so ventricular enlargement and neuronal loss, specifically in the memory centers of the brain, is usually a big red flag per. for future Alzheimer's disease. So this is okay. a brain that is at risk for Alzheimer's disease, and we, we follow our patients over time for as many years as, as they will stay with us, Certainly. frankly, and, and we're, we're mapping. That, that's fascinating. Yeah. And how much... How much and of course, it's not just these two people. Right. I, mean, I just want to clarify that. We have hundreds and hundreds of people in the studies, and this is average. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she's a very extreme case. This is quite normal. Typical. Yes, quite typical. So for people who are at home, and they're probably thinking, how much of it is genetic, and how mm. much has to do with their diet and their lifestyle? How much yeah. do we... How much input do we have or control or influence? Yeah, I, I think brain aging is, is more diet than destiny. Okay. To some extent. More diet than more destiny. More diet than destiny, yeah. Um, so when I started in the field, which is in college, okay. I started right away because I have a family history of Alzheimer's. So I was really interested in prevention and, and what to not do to okay. stay healthy. My, 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 my grandmother passed of Alzheimer's. My grandmother too. And okay. her two sisters as well, whereas their brother did not. Interesting. So it's a... It's a does you know, it, does it's the reason I'm concerned about my mom, of okay. course, and uh, myself and my daughter. I really want to to understand how to avoid Alzheimer's if mm -hmm. possible and, and finding solutions and options. So, and so back then, your research, in college, yeah. everybody understood Alzheimer's as the consequence of bad genes in your DNA right. or aging or a combination of the two. 
And I think in 2018, there's consensus that neither of these alternatives is necessarily or universally the case. Okay. Now that we have cheap genomics, right, we can understand genetics much better, and we have brain imaging, which mm -hmm. shows us when Alzheimer's actually starts in the brain. And so what we have learned is that uh, there are genetic mutations that cause Alzheimer's. There are three that we know of. But they're found in just less than 1% of the general population. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. So they're much less common than was pre we previously thought. And even if you just gather together all the families affected uh, by Alzheimer's disease, only 6% of families have these genetic mutations. Okay. So 94% of patients with Alzheimer's are just not born of these mutations that we know of. Which is not to say that genetics are not important. Right. As a scientist and as a biologist, I, I mean, I know, I, study biology, a lot of that, and I, I believe in genetics. There's always a genetic Certainly. component to everything. It's just that it's not as deterministic as we thought it was. It's more like there are groups of genes or networks of genes that work together to make you healthier and more resilient, mm -hmm. and there are other groups of genes and genetic risk factors that actually increase risk okay. and just um, increase your vulnerability or give you a predisposition to a specific disease. And then there's everything else. There's your medical health and there's your lifestyle that are probably just as important, if not more. Things like stress management, things, <laughs> sure. like, things like your sleep, things like uh, the, the clean environment. Yes. You know, because there could be pollutants. We've talked mm -hmm. about that before. Yes. Uh, people you spend time with, your thoughts, your amount of exercise. Mm -hmm. Amount of exercise. But here specifically, though, is your food, food. because literally what you, you, what you eat becomes you. I mean, your, 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 your brain is. Pretty much, built on food. it's built on food, mm -hmm. but on very specific yeah. types of food, very specific nutrients. I, I find, um, I find that many people just think of the brain as some kind of sponge, okay. right? That whatever you put into your stomach eventually will get inside your brain, right? And that's just not the case. And we were talking about it before. Then, the brain comes with um, a protection system called the blood-brain barrier mm -hmm. that literally shields the brain from the rest of the body and everything else. Basically, it, it, it regulates very strictly the passage of substances to the brain and from the brain out. Because it's extremely sensitive. Yes. Well, you want the, so there's homeostasis right. in the brain. Your brain is in equilibrium and it's optimized to work in that kind of environment. So everything that gets inside the brain could potentially disrupt that. Right. And that's the last thing anybody wants. Of course, of course. <laughs> so there's this very um, strict, protection system that says, okay, there are some substances that the brain needs and wants, and so we need to supply them to the brain. And so there are literally gates in the blood-brain barrier. They're called receptors or transcrip transcription of factors, but effectively they work like messengers or like gates. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that it's the brain that opens the gates, so it's not us. You know, you can eat all the sugar you want, but it's, it's never going to get inside your brain unless your brain wants it. Right. So it's a very... It, it, it's very carefully regimented in a way. So brain diet is a very strict diet and it's the brain that says, I want it, I don't want it. Right. Now there's certain, there's so many, there's so much information out there about <laughs> food and... <laughs> there's a lot of opinions. Of course. And so what I like about this with your background in neuroscience is yeah. that the food, some, not everything that you eat necessarily serves your brain because your brain has different needs than the rest of your body. Yes. Right, because obviously your brain is part of your your body, it's in charge but of it. be, I mean, it's in charge of pretty mm -hmm. much the the master control center. 
Um, but what you eat matters, especially as we talked about your, your gray matter. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your, your favorite brain foods? Like your, your, your go-to, you know, for you and your family. I'm sure a lot right. of people are watching this. They're thinking, you know, what do I need to eat that just going to help me have better uh, cognition, better focus, a, yeah. better, a better memory? So um, my number one brain food is caviar. Caviar. Or fish eggs. And we were looking for it at the store and we didn't find it. But yes, so um, the point is that if you look at the chemical composition of caviar, the nutritional composition of, of caviar, or fish eggs in general. Like you go to a sushi restaurant and see salmon roe? Or... Yes, perfect. Salmon okay. roe is fantastic. And it, it's, it basically mirrors the nutritional composition of the brain. Mm -hmm. There is very rich in polyunsaturated fatty acids, okay. especially the omega-3 fatty acids that your brain needs like on a daily basis. Um, it contains a good amount of essential protein, so all the amino acids that it, the brain has gates for are in there. And it also contains um, some antioxidants. That is, it's very rare for animal foods to contain any antioxidants at all. Okay. But caviar or fish eggs uh, contain vitamin A, vitamin E, and a small amount of vitamin C in some cases. So all the antioxidant vitamins and minerals that these are very neuroprotective. Mm. So the brain is super sensitive to oxidative stress because it's the most metabolically active organ in the body. And every time the brain burns glucose to make energy, it also produces free radicals and oxidative stress. So the only way to, to you know, kind of put them in jail, right. know, like little bandits that you have to find, is to, um, to feed your brain with antioxidants. Okay. Mm. Now, now if somebody is, um, let's say they're vegetarian and yeah. they don't, they don't eat fish. Uh, we right. know it's a great source of DHA and omega threes. Yes. What um, yeah. are there? Is there what, what would that? What would their best option mm -hmm. be? There are many plant-based foods that contain polyunsaturated fatty acids, including okay. omega threes. And I want to say that, I mean, fish eggs are great, but fatty fish is. is Broadly, just as good. Okay. Right? Because of course we know that caviar is, is super expensive and fish eggs are not. Right. You know, like in a health food store, they don't have them. Right, right. So they're, they're, they're special gourmet foods. So for vegetarians and vegans, I think uh, flax seeds are a great source. Okay. Of which we have, which we have here. We have here. Little flax seeds. Mm -hmm. We have almonds. Now the flax seeds are they? Mm -hmm. Are you making a meal with that, or is that something you could put into a smoothie? Yes. Or? Uh, so you need to grind them to mm -hmm. really release the nutrients. And I think a smoothie is a great way to do that. Right. Uh, you can also use them when you, I don't know if you bake, but like if you make cookies or um, cakes. Okay. You know, if you use flaxseed meal, it can kind of replace eggs. Okay. You just mix it with water and it creates a little bit of like a paste, like chia seeds. Do. Okay. But they're very rich in... in omega-3, polyunsaturated fatty acid. It's only, the problem is that they, so there are three main types okay. of omega-3. There's DHA, which is the one your brain really wants, mm -hmm. EPA, which is a precursor to DHA, mm -hmm. and these are found in seafood. So f seafood is the best right. source. And the ratio is important. The ratio is also important. For plant-based foods, they contain neither of these two. They contain ALA, it's another type. And what happens is that this ALA goes inside your brain, but your brain needs to convert it into DHA, and 75% is lost in the conversion. Wow. So you need to have more. So let's say if you need 
So brain scans, brain imaging studies show that people who consume at least four grams of omega-3 fats every day have a 70% lower risk of dementia later on in life. Wow. As compared to people who consume less than two grams a day. Can you, can you repeat that just for yeah. everybody? This, this is like a, a very important point. Okay. So brain imaging studies have shown that people who consume at least four grams of DHA, omega-3 fatty acids every day, have at least 70% reduced risk of Alzheimer's and dementia later on in life okay. as compared to people who eat less than two grams. Well, we're talking about four, four grams? Yes, so research is about is about how much of a how much portion is that about? So I, I say I would say some handful of almonds and well, so it's about three ounces of a good quality salmon okay. fillet, and then like a handful of almonds and some extra virgin olive oil we'll do it on your salad, and perhaps some flax seeds, and that's that's it. Okay, so that that's that's very doable. No, it's yeah, as long as people eat sea, seafood. Okay. Because it's the best source. You know, if you're if you're going for a vegetarian diet, then you eat three times as much. Okay. Because you lose seventy five percent in the conversion. So it's just a matter of, of keeping tabs on, on what exactly you're eating. And there are supplements that are actually very helpful. There are vegan DHA supplements. Okay. From high purity algae oil that are great sources of, of supplementation, I think. Okay. Algae oil. And they can find that in any health yeah. food store. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> you, they should be able to. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most important supplements probably for the brain I is think DHA. If you, yes, if you don't eat any fish, I think it would be probably helpful. So the best way to really know is to test it, right? You should do a blood test Okay. and measure your fatty acid compositions in serum. And then if you're deficient, I think it's a, it's a good indicator that you should supplement. Right. But normally, what we say is always that uh, supplements cannot replace a healthy diet. Of course. Right? There's a tendency to say, I don't want to eat salad and fish. You know, I'd rather have a burger and take a pill. Right, right. Right. But the truth is that supplements are not nearly as um, biologically active of as the nutrients and in the foods. Then something Mother Nature, sources. because there's other compounds yeah. in there that yes. that probably is not isolated in, in a pill. Exactly. Right. The, the isoforms are important. Like we were talking about vitamin E, mm -hmm. and what you get from a pill is one of the eight varieties right. of vitamin e, e. Whereas if you eat flax seeds and almonds or hazelnuts, my favorite nuts, <laughs> are hazelnuts, then you get all eight different forms. Okay. And it's much more beneficial because, like, one of the forms, for example, increases oxygenation. So, and that's very good for your brain. There's another form that is more uh, anti-inflammatory. Right. So every form has a slightly different function. And when you have them all, then you really get the full benefits of that. So we talked about the foods that are helpful for greater brain function. Yes. What are the ones that are harmful? So the big villains that big villains. are affecting us and our, and our children. Yeah. And then that's really interesting because I think there are different schools of thoughts. Mm -hmm. like, um, but, but research actually agrees, at least in my field, that uh, processed food is bad for you, and specifically is, is the combination of uh, too much transaturated fat okay. and cholesterol. And also saturated fat, at least in our research and in many of my colleagues' research, is the combination of these, um, these fats, especially in combination with uh, too much copper, iron, and zinc, that is really harmful to the brain in the long term. And I think it, 
The understanding is that they're bad because they have a bad effect on your heart and they trigger inflammation in the body. Not for everybody, of course, but mm -hmm. like on average. And that really negatively impacts your brain. And also processed food has been uh, linked to a much greater risk of dementia. So there are many studies showing that um, among like hundreds and hundreds of people followed over time, those who consume uh, two grams of trans and saturated fats in their diet, trans fats in their diet, broadly every day, have twice the risk of dementia wow. as compared to people who eat less than one gram. And two grams is nothing. You know, just processed foods contain an what, enormous what the, amount of... What are the big culprits that people don't realize? What are the so like hydrogenated fat, okay. partially hydrogenated fat. I think these are the, the two worst Found mostly in, in what kind of foods you think people are eating that don't even really qualify as food? They don't qualify as food. There are a lot of things, like I'm, I'm very concerned about that because of my daughter. Right. Right. She's, she's growing up in an environment where kids have access to all sorts of crap, mm -hmm. just, just broadly speaking. And so I always read the labels, like there are some spreads spreads are incredibly dangerous. Like you, you would think that that's some kind of butter and it's really not. Right. They margarine, right? Um, the kind, this kind of weird like whipped creams that you right. spray on things. Um, fake cheese, like processed mm -hmm. cheese. That's terrible. And I, I realize I'm telling, I'm just going for dairies, but um, for dairy products, but uh, a lot of baked goods, like muffins that you buy or right. um, Packaged foods like cold cuts, mm -hmm. right? Daily ham or this kind of products—they're all really in danger of containing all sorts of because it's not like hydrogenated. And because it's not just the food; it's just the way it's processed, also. Yes, is in yes, is the the kind of fat that's been added to the food to preserve shelf life and give it a richer texture and just make them taste better. Mm -hmm. But then it's everything else that comes with it, like uh, coloring, artificial substances, preservatives, arsenic. No. You know, like, uh, chicken are being given arsenic. Really? Yes, it's an antibiotic. Okay, yeah, so it's very <laughs> Not important. Not all chickens, of course. Right, of course. That, I mean, that's why cases. it's so important to eat things because... With They're the, healthy, you need to read the labels. Because a lot of meats have... The, the, right, they have everything from hormones, antibiotics. Yes. Um, they, mm -hmm. Some some have like cement just to make them heavier so they can yeah. make more money. Yeah, you know, depending on the way that they're bred, um, many animals are basically so confined that they end up eating their own right feces, right? And yeah. that can be good. No, not, not 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 at all. And then yeah. so, what about things like uh, wine? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> we didn't buy we didn't buy any. Um, wine is actually a brain food. White or red? Red. Mm -hmm. And that's because, so we talked about it before at the store, and I'm going to show the blackberries. I love the same, blackberries. Mm -hmm. the same Everyone always goes to like the blueberries. Everybody goes to but blueberries. But they're good. But these have more nutritional value. Yes, they're more antioxidant. They have a higher antioxidant power than the blueberries. But so all fruits, they're very dark, like prunes, mm -hmm. cherries, red grapes. The, the darker the better because right. it means they're, they're very rich in these antioxidant compounds that then you drink with your wine. And that's what gives them the color? That's what, yeah. So this is like a rainbow. I like looking this everything like here. Rainbow. It's like eating for the rainbow. Yeah. And so it's not just the, like what you're eating, but it's just the color of everything. So you mm. want to make sure it's very rich. Yes, yes. I, I, I strongly believe in that and in diversity. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been 
tons of studies showing that um, the nutritional diversity and quality of your food are two major factors for longevity, longevity and, and health. So what is the research you know? saying about red wine? Why, why is it good for you? Why is it a brain food? Because of the antioxidants. Actually, clinical trials kind of failed to show a strong effect. Mm -hmm. But I think we know from epidemiology and from studies of Italian centenarians right. that is actually a, a good part of a healthy diet. The point, so red wine is very typical of the Mediterranean sure. regions like Italy, Greece, Spain. The way it's been, the way we drink it there is that it is really in moderation. So for women, it's only like basically this much. Okay. Just a very small. So it's not just the 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 quality, but it's also the quantity. It's of the over. quantity, and for men, for men can have two, but two glasses is like this much. Mm -hmm. This is in the entire day, and also you never drink it on an empty stomach. Why is Always that? Always with food, because alcohol has very dehydrating effects. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of alcohol is dehydrating, and it can really create unpleasant effects in general. And also, it's better if you absorb it with other foods that can. Uh, they can promote uh, uptake of this compound, it's called resveratrol. Sure. Mm -hmm. In the blood, in the bloodstream, so it's better paired with foods like fatty foods that really help absorbing the the helpful nutrients. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love like wine and cheese? Who and doesn't? And again, for women, it's important to consider, um, I'll say, the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, we tend to absorb alcohol much faster during one part of the cycle is lower in the second part of the cycle. So it's good to keep in mind that all the stimulants, alcohol, caffeine, everything, theobromine, even chocolate, mm -hmm. they have different effects on your brain and your physiology depending on your hormones. So let's talk about that. Uh, where, where most people get their caffeine besides chocolate is through coffee. Coffee. Too. So how's, uh, how's coffee affect your, your brain? Coffee does affect your brain. It's a stimulant. Mm -hmm. And it's an energizer, it's a vasoconstrictor, so it makes your, your blood flow go to your brain much faster, right? And the problem with caffeine, I think, is that um, some people respond very strongly to caffeine. It, it can have a dehydrating effect, okay. not universally, not for everybody. But for some, like I can't drink coffee without drinking water okay. at the same time. I find it very dehydrating. So there's a genetic basis to that as to everything sure. else, right? Um, and at the same time, the way it's prepared in the amount of caffeine can have negative effects on the heart. And for women, also depending on hormones. So in the first part of the menstrual cycle, we're less sensitive to caffeine, so we can handle it really well and you, you feel energized. And in the second part of the menstrual cycle, it takes a lot more coffee to reach the same level okay. of activation. So it's really easy to drink too much of it. Right. Right, and then you can't sleep and you have palpitations and you actually feel like crap and you get headaches mm -hmm. and you're dehydrated so it's important to to consider that that it's just the way it is there's two weeks probably right. just resign yourself and there's no need to drink more coffee it's just the way your body responds and your hormones make you respond to that's to amazing stimulants. so we talk about brain food and we talk about yeah. what to eat what about uh what about when to eat Different parts of the day. Do you believe in um, intermittent fasting? Do you, uh, after somebody eats a big meal, should they, what do they do right afterwards? Should they take a nap? Take a nap. <laughs> Relax. Um, so there's, there's very good science done 
at NIH by Dr. Mattson, Mark mm -hmm. Mattson, showing how caloric restriction has positive effects on the brain. Okay. It kind of makes your neurons stronger and more, more resilient. And then there are all these other ways to try and implement that, right? Okay. Because just eating less is not an option for some right. reason. And so we try to refrain from eating. And I, I, I think it makes sense, especially overnight fasting, okay. right? It's something that at least, you know, in Italy or Mediterranean regions is not normal to eat after dinner. Right. So everybody automatically fasts overnight just because we're not used to eating mm -hmm. after, after dinner. That's it, you're done. Uh, but I think it's important to, to talk about it because you, you really have to give your system a break. Right. Right. And so if you have dinner around you know, 6, 7 p.m., then I think it's very healthy to just stop or refrain from eating until at least 7 a.m. the following morning. Like, so you have 12 hours for your body to just have a break. detoxify. And, and then, then you have your break fast. And sleep. You have your, your, break, your break fast, your breakfast. Yeah. You what do you recommend? What, what would be a, a good brain healthy breakfast? I, I think it's subjective. Okay. You know, some people do very well on protein. Some people do better on carbs. I think women in general are physiologically uh, predisposed to run on carbohydrates, mm -hmm. and men do better on fat. But that's really the average um, person, and I think everybody is, is uh, different. It depends on your insulin levels. It depends on, on your blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. It depends on your reaction to certain foods. Um, I think good options are for people who do well on carbohydrates, a nice toast, right? Like we have fette biscottate, like a nice toast with a little bit of honey and some fresh fruit or a yogurt for those who don't like bread or don't want to eat bread uh, with fresh fruit again. I think fruit is a good thing to have first thing in the morning. You know, it rehydrates you, it gives you the vitamins and minerals. And for me, I like carbohydrates. I do very well on carbs. Okay. And so I prefer toast for, for breakfast is my, is my go-to. A little bit of honey, a little coconut oil. And my daughter, my daughter eats it too. That sounds delicious. And so the main idea here is that people are, people are bio-individual. Yes. It's finding what works for you that mm -hmm. you could also maintain yes. in consistently. Sustainable. And just also I think it's really important to, to think of as your nutrition is something that transcends breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? So what do you eat during the whole day? Do you have a good balance of macronutrients? Do you yeah. have enough of proteins and carbs and f healthy fats and he healthy carbs and vitamins and minerals? And do you have enough fiber and mm -hmm. do you drink enough water? You know, do you I think it's, it's good to think about You have some really powerful, you have some incredibly powerful recipes and we've been <laughs> testing these so it's not just nutritious but they're also delicious they're good yeah i love food and I, I there's a whole section food. there on they're snacks also as well so yes. brain healthy snacks that are mm -hmm. easy that have ex yes. you know just a handful of ingredients yes well the, you know as a new mom nothing can take longer than 15 minutes right <laughs> so except for the slow cooked chicken which is a big hit but you basically you make it in 10 minutes and then just pop it in the oven and let it yeah. let it go so everything is super super quick and that that's the thing we're all at quick brain in the quick brain kitchen <laughs> here we're all about um having something incredibly incredible nutritious, nutritious and delicious that right. you could do that's also doable too because so many people set something a goal but it's 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 attainable but it's not sustainable no. they can't do that on a no, regular you basis I mean, you know most people work and they have lives and you can't spend an hour making dinner right me maybe no, once no. in a while but it's just not it's not reasonable on a daily basis and i feel like 
if you go for quality, then preparation time gets really, you know, you don't, you don't need to spend that much time dressing your food or marinating your food or doing who knows what. Right. You know, just have a nice piece of salmon filet. You put some Dijon French mustard on top. You put it in the oven and that's it. You're like done. 30 minutes. So you're it done. is fabulous. You know, if you have good quality food, it's very nutritious. Then in, you feel satisfied. And No? Yeah, I, I completely, <laughs> completely. <laughs> right? Yes, we're here with Dr. Lisa Moscone, author of Brain Food. I recommend everybody goes and picks this up with RB Links also in this episode. Where, where's the best place for people to find you, find out more about you? On my website, okay. uh, lisamasconi.com. All right. Yes, I think, or Instagram. I don't, Instagram. Yes, I think Instagram is my, is my favorite tool. Okay. And I'm I, a scientist, social media. Uh, <laughs> get in there, just get in there. What I would challenge everybody to do is your quick brain challenge is to take a screenshot of this video or of this podcast episode and when, I, when you do it, I want you to post it, tag Lisa, tag myself, and share your big aha. Like, what is your favorite, what was your favorite lesson from this episode? Also, what's your favorite brain food? Out of all the brain foods we talked about, which is your favorite chocolate? chocolate? And I think chocolate's gonna be a very favorite one. I like avocados, I, I, I really love mm. guacamole. I had, mm -hmm. uh, we made some incredible guacamole last night, I just, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite ever, but it, at the very least people could take a lot of these ingredients and put it into a blender and make a brain power smoothie. Mm -hmm. They could take their, their blackberries, their blueberries, their avocados, some green leafy vegetables, um, some cacao, which is amazing. Don't, don't put that wild salmon in, in the blender. It probably wouldn't be the best ever. And, and it's done, it's convenient too. It is. And that, that's what's most so. important. And it's an investment. You know, I think it, it takes discipline, perhaps, right. but then the benefits are, are for life. Right, and this is an investment. I mean, so many people, really our health is our wealth. Oh yes. A lot of people, they'll, they'll go out there and achieve with their career at the expense, they're not sleeping, they're not eating yes. right, they're not exercising, yes. and then they, they achieve a level of wealth, you know, maybe, but then they're chasing, then they have to use all that wealth to get their health back. Yes, And that's, that's, that's really sad. And yes. so- and then if, they come to us at the clinic. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what should I eat now? And this is great because we get to, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this because we're talking with the research that you're doing in Alzheimer's yeah. and with the aging brain. Why not get there sooner? You know, why why not yes. why not why not prevent it upstream? Yes. And you're saying Absolutely. that you know a very small percentage of it has to do with fate or your genetic destiny. That maybe that your genetics is what maybe loads the gun, but right. but what you eat is really what kind of fires fires it. Mm -hmm. And we have we have total control over our hands and what we actually put into yes. into our mouth. Yes, that, that is very true. And the, I think as, as a society, we're, we're used to the idea that we feed our bodies. Right. And we're much less aware of the fact that we're feeding our brains too, or that we should right. be feeding our brains too. And that should be like a lifelong process. It, yeah. it should really be part of a lifestyle and not just this three weeks diet that I do after Thanksgiving or whatever. It's, it, it, your brain will not change in two weeks right. or three weeks. No matter how many books tell you that, it's just impossible. And it really has to be like um, a day life. by day practice. It's, it's, it should be a practice. To, it, to it's really part of your lifestyle. Brain. And really at the bottom line, we're just mm -hmm. saying really love your brain. Yeah. You know, and Treat then, your brain like your best friend. Treat your brain like your, like best, your friend. best friend. And uh, you'll get all the rewards. Thank yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Thank right. you, Lisa. Of course. Thank you. <laughs>
Welcome to the Motivational Speech Podcast. You are listening to Mr. Jim Quick. He is a brain coach, mindwell trainer, and is noted for his speed reading and memory techniques. For two decades, Jim Quick has worked as a brain coach to students, seniors, entrepreneurs, teachers, and advisors to many of the world's leading CEOs and celebrities. He also wrote a book that has become the number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. Check the description below to get this book for free.